Hello and welcome back to Warrior Walker. We're so glad you joined us and we hope and pray that you're safe. If you're not, or if you know someone who's maybe in danger, please do not hesitate to call the National Center for Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. Well, once again, and as always, thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast episode is a is a bit of a reflective episode, and it's probably going to be very short because God woke me up in the middle of the night, and I believe it was partially to, to do this, to record this podcast episode. So, you know, people sometimes try to tell me that recording these podcast episodes is therapeutic for me. And I don't know if I really totally buy into that. To be completely honest, it's not really fun airing my dirty laundry, as I've mentioned before, but not really dirty laundry, so to speak, but, you know, just my private life. And, um, but again, as I've told you all before, uh, I try to walk in obedience to God and what Jesus calls me to do. And part of what he calls me to do is to share in vulnerability and authenticity. Um, From my perspective, at least, I'm well aware that other people could have different perspectives um, of what I've gone through in life. And part of what I want to talk about today is the blame game, what I call the blame game. And um, I played the blame game with myself a lot. And um, it's taken me years and years and years and years and years and years. Uh, I'm 53, going on 54 next month. I can't believe I'm that old. Um, But years of counseling and Bible study and prayer and healing and growth and processing trauma, you know, some of these buzzwords that are going around today are actually pretty accurate. Um, and you know, I want to preface this episode by saying, I don't blame anyone. Um, we, as people, we know what we know and we know what we're taught until we know better. Right. So the Bible says that we're responsible for the knowledge we get once we have it. So of course, we're not going to be held accountable for things we don't know, So I don't judge or fault anyone with the things that have occurred to me because I truly believe that most people um, or a lot of times people are acting in what they believe is everyone's best interest. And especially as a parent now, I've come to the realization and understanding that, you know, we all make mistakes And you can do the best job you can. But um, as I heard in a movie the other day, you know, God often speaks to me through movies. Um, And this was a very accurate statement that our children are, you know, we're not their only influence. It was a a movie about, um, oh, it was called The Family That Prays Together, P-R-E-Y-S by Tyler Perry excellent movie if you have a chance to watch it it's it's mainly or mostly about um a friendship between these two ladies just excellent movie but 
you know, our children are influenced by many other things and many other people than just us as their parents. And um, as are we. So the blame game. Um, I've shared some of this in a couple of previous podcasts before episodes. Um, but I just, um, it's taken me a long time, many years actually, to realize that not everything's always all my fault. Um, and I've shared a little bit here about how I kind of swung the pendulum the other way. Um, multiple counselors over the years have all told me the same thing, starting with my sister's counselor years ago, who was the first one to tell me this. Um, most of you know, if you've been listening to my podcast for any length of time, and if not, welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, I am the only child from my mother and my father. And so um, we found out a couple of years ago that I actually have an older sibling, but she's only from my father's side. So I am still the only child from my father and my mother. I'm not the oldest, uh, which I thought all my life until two years ago that I was the oldest. But deep down, I always suspected I had an older sister, but I was not allowed to talk to it about it. But anyway, um, so I'm very happy that, you know, my older sister found her father, our father, and, and I'm grateful and blessed that I was able to help her do that and be a part of that experience. It was an honor and a privilege to be able to be part of that and, and bring joy to both her and my father in, in finding each other. But um, I am the only child from my mother and my father who divorced when I was five years old. And then, and at the time, like I said, we didn't know about my older sister. And then, um, my, both of my parents remarried and started having more children, having babies. Um, but for many years, all of my counselors, starting with my sister's counselor years ago, told me that both sides of my divorce family have scapegoated me. Um, I never even knew there was an expression, the redheaded stepchild, but I was literally that in every way. And I happened to be redheaded. <laughs> no joke. So, um, I didn't even know what that expression meant, but that was me on both sides of the family. And so I grew up learning basically the blame game, what I call the blame game. Um, but for me, it was an unhealthy pattern back then of blaming myself for literally everything, no matter what bad thing happened. It was always Gwenna's fault. It was always my fault. I blamed myself. My family members blamed myself on or blamed me on both sides of my family, not just one. So I grew up being conditioned and basically brainwashed to think and believe. And I sincerely believed it because that's the way I was taught. Everything's all my fault. It didn't matter what it was. And I believed it. And this continued and was perpetuated not only in my childhood, but into and through my younger adult years. And this was something, um, among a few other things like perfectionism, et cetera, that I just, it just was kind of ingrained in me. And it was awful. It, it was an awful feeling because, you know, I mean, first of all, I'm healthier, much healthier now. And I realize, you know, 
I'm not God. I'm not responsible for everything. <laughs> you know, I don't have any kind of power and control like that. I have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ living in me as a believer in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, of course. And having been saved a long time ago by repenting of my sins and accepting his free gift of eternal life which it says in Ephesians is a free gift. Jesus already did the work so that none of us can boast. So I did nothing to earn it. I did nothing to earn my salvation, but I am saved because I believe in Jesus. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, nope, I always say that wrong. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, and also John 3.16 and other verses tell me that I am saved because I have accepted Jesus' free gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Um, but I just had this unhealthy pattern of, of blaming myself for everything, again, because that's what I learned, not just from one person or one side of my family, but from both. And like I said, this continued and was perpetuated into my adulthood. Then I ended up marrying into that kind of attitude where everything was always my fault and extremely unhealthy and um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, very, very unhealthy. Uh, but again, you know what you know, you believe what you know, and you do what you know until you know better, right? And um, so then... When I finally um, started getting slightly healthier and started realizing, and this was in my marriage, that I was, you know, unhealthy in this way where I always blamed myself for everything. I mean, even in my marriage, if my ex-husband were angry at me and got physically, emotionally, mentally, etc., abusive with me, I would blame myself oh, well, I wasn't a good enough wife. Oh, it's my fault. I wasn't submissive enough. That's why he slapped me in the cheek on the face, you know? And, and I always made excuses in my mind for his behavior, blaming myself because that was what I had learned. And what that did was a couple of things, of course, and more, but mainly one thing it did was, of course, um, it was unhealthy for me uh, because it's unhealthy to just take responsibility for everything. And it's completely unrealistic. And secondly, that denied the opportunity for anyone else to take accountability or responsibility for their own actions. You know, and thirdly, it was enabling, for example, my ex-husband's abusive behavior of me. And I'm not saying it was my fault because I really did not know better at the time. And I was under some church teaching that was completely unbiblical, you know, um, and we were part of a marriage ministry, believe it or not, in spite of my protests, no one would listen to me. And I found out later it was because he had been exaggerating or telling everyone that I was exaggerating the abuse, which no, first of all, I was not exaggerating it. I was minimizing it because I didn't even talk about it for the first 10 years of our marriage. And then when I finally did, it took a lot of courage to finally open up and share because it was embarrassing. I'm an intelligent woman. Like it's embarrassing, but abuse is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter your gender, your age, your religion, your financial status, your socioeconomic status. 
Abuse is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It can happen and does happen to absolutely anyone. And unfortunately, as we're beginning to learn in today's society, it happens a lot more than people realize. People are finally, thankfully, starting to open up about it. Um, so I went from this unhealthy blaming myself for everything to I started to come out of that. And then suddenly I was so angry and I was actually very feeling very bitter for a very long time at how I had been treated and brainwashed and scapegoated by pretty much everyone in my life who was close to me. These people who were supposed to protect me, they were supposed to love me unconditionally. And, you know, I'm not saying they were horrible people because they did do a lot of things right, too. Um, I do believe that my parents and my siblings, but especially my parents, because, you know, that's who we tend to blame for things, bad things when they happen to us in our childhood, right? We tend to blame our parents. I do believe that they did the best they could with the knowledge they had at the time. And so I'm thankfully, I'm no longer angry or bitter toward anyone, but I'm also not going to hide my truth. I'm going to speak the truth of what happened to me. And I say my truth um, with hesitancy because it makes it sound like that's your perception of the truth, but it's not. It is the truth. It is facts of what happened. And I wish it weren't. <laughs> But it is what it is, right? I can't change the past. Nobody can change the past. None of us can change the past. And, you know, I have forgiven everyone. Um, but I want to share with you because uh, I feel, number one, God's leading me to share with you. Number two, because some of you may be experiencing this or going through it and not realizing that you're going through it. That's how I was. So I totally get it. I totally understand um, so I went from this unhealthy blaming myself for everything to slowly coming out of it and realizing, oh my gosh, not everything's all my fault. And I got, like I said, I got angry and I started becoming bitter. Um, and I kind of swung the pendulum in the total opposite direction and started blaming everyone else for everything and not accepting responsibility for myself for anything at all. And I honestly did not even realize I had done that until maybe about a year ago um, when someone really close to me pointed it out. Like, you used to do this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, and unfortunately, it was one of my children. And he remembered that from when he was younger. And, of course, I was so... Like I was emotionally devastated because, you know, I realized that even though I really tried my hardest to break the generational curse of abuse in my family, I failed. I certainly, most certainly failed. I really tried my hardest, but, you know, I most certainly failed. And, you know, I have finally come to a place where I've forgiven myself. Um, it wasn't intentional. But I really did try my best. And in the circumstances I was in, um, I'm starting to learn now how to give myself grace. Uh, meaning when I was married and the first time my ex-husband disciplined our son, it wasn't discipline. It was abuse, physical abuse. And it wasn't mild abuse. It was severe physical abuse. And this is the first time I've ever... Um, shared that publicly. 
I haven't even told him that because he was young and he, I'm sure he doesn't remember. Um, but it absolutely devastated me emotionally to see that happening to my child. And I felt completely helpless because he was abusing me too at the time. So I begged and pleaded and cried with my ex-husband at the time to never do that again. And the only solution was he said, okay, fine, you handle the discipline, but you better do it good enough or I'm going to take over, you know, well enough anyway. And, um, so he, he's Mexican. So his, he's fluent in English, but sometimes he says things like good enough or, you know, things like that. But, um, so I knew that I, I had to, in order to save my children from being physically abused by my ex-husband, um, I had to make sure my discipline was quote unquote good enough in his eyes or he would do it again and way worse. So that unfortunately in hindsight, um, it was actually very manipulative of my ex-husband because it made me the heavy it made me look like the disciplinarian. I actually hated disciplining my children with a passion, but I knew deep down from that experience that if I didn't do it, they would get it way worse from him. And so I actually was doing that out of love and trying to protect my sons from their father's abuse. And um, I wish I could go back and change all that. Uh, obviously, I can't change the past. Um but, you know, this is one of those things that I'll have to live with for the rest of my life. And so if you're going through that, if you have an abusive husband and, you know, he's made you the heavy, so to speak, the disciplinarian, so that he doesn't abuse them, I, I would caution you about that because look at where it got me. Um, it make, makes me look like I was really mean, like I was a really mean parent. You know, and um, I, that wasn't my heart, you know, um, I wanted to be super close with my children and I felt like I was back then. Um, but in retrospect, in hindsight, like I, I would totally go back and change that if I could. Um, so I, I went to that pendulum where, you know, I was blaming everyone else for everything and not accepting my uh, responsibility for my own actions then. And then I think slowly over the years, I've gotten to a much better place where I think I have a much healthier balance. Um, I no longer allow myself to believe when people try to scapegoat me or blame me for things, but I also will admit, and now I'm like honest to a fault if I do something wrong or if I have offended someone or hurt someone somehow, or if I have reacted in a not very godly or good way or something, I will, I will be honest and I will own up to it and I will accept that responsibility. But I also will no longer let people bully me into saying everything's all my fault, especially when I'm hundreds of miles away and I don't even know what's going on. Um, so I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm much healthier than I used to be. And I give the glory to God for that. You know, we are works in progress. And when we are believers in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are being sanctified 
daily. Um, we're growing, we're learning. And as long as we are um, walking with the Lord, keeping a relationship with him, having conversations with him, uh, he wants to be our best friend, then we are growing and we have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in us. We are all sinners, like it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Obviously, we're human, so we fall way short of the glory of God, especially me. Well, not especially me, but I'm just like anyone else, right? So, and I wanted to talk about this blame game thing because I had a revelation. And the revelation was, for many, many years, I felt so incredibly guilty. And it still creeps up and crops up in my mind sometimes. This feeling of feeling incredibly guilty, which remember, guilt is not from God. Conviction is, but guilt is not. Who is guilt from then? If guilt's not from God, who is it from? That's right. You guessed it. It's from the enemy. Um, when you have conviction, it's always comes with encouragement. You know, um, you can be repentant, but guilt, it doesn't come with any kind of or form of encouragement. You're basically beating yourself up, which unfortunately I'm very good at. I'm very good at beating myself up and I don't really like show that to people but internally, I'm an introvert and I, it, when I get really upset with myself and I've been working on this for years, I internally beat myself up mentally, my thoughts, my mind, it goes there. Um, but my revelation was, you know, I felt so guilty for so many years for not keeping in better touch with my family members. And I really, really blamed myself. I didn't really talk out loud about it. Like I said, it's a revelation it, and it's fairly recent. And I just felt so awful. But I realized some things. Um, one of my revelations was, <laughs> um, for example, a few several years ago, I said to my maternal grandmother, um, she kept trying to lay this guilt trip on me of, oh, you never call me. You never visit. You never call me. And I just would apologize to her because that's what I was always doing to everyone because everyone was always blaming me for everything. And so I was constantly apologizing, which, by the way, is one of the main major signs of a victim of abuse is they're constantly apologizing. And I've had to work really super hard to stop that habit. Um, you can tell right away because they're constantly apologizing, especially with someone who has abused them or is abusing them or has abused them in the past. And so it still, again, crops up occasionally with me and I have to work on getting it out of my mind again and out of my speech habits because it's there and I have to keep kind of rebuking it in the name of Jesus Christ, my personal Lord and Savior, and he can be yours too. Um, if you just ask him to come into your life, he will, um, and pray and, and he'll give you wisdom. Uh, got myself all sidetracked with, uh, with the evangelistic plug there. Um, what was I saying? Uh, oh yes. I was blaming myself for years for not visiting my family and my grandma, my ma maternal grandmother. She, one time she kept telling me 
periodically, oh, you never call. <laughs> and it was ironic because when I'd go visit her or call her or go visit her, I would hear you never call while I was talking to her. <laughs> so I got so fed up with hearing that, that one day I finally looked at her and said, you know, grandma, the phone goes both ways. Oh, she was so mad. Um, my grandma was a type of person um, you just didn't talk back to. So I wasn't her favorite person because I was not afraid to say stuff to her. Well, I was, but I did it anyway. <laughs> we were all afraid of her. And um, well, not all of us, not her favorite. But anyway, um, oh, she was so mad. But it, I mean, I just said it because I was angry. And at the time I was still in that unhealthy pattern in brainwashing of everything's my fault. So of course I immediately felt guilty for saying it, but it was true. You know, she didn't call me either. And uh, nowadays there are memes out on social media, which didn't exist back then. Gosh, that makes me sound old. <laughs> um, I realize that makes me sound old. I guess I am a little older now. To me, 80 years old is old, you know, 80, 90. But um, I know when I was, you know, 15 or 25, 30 sounded old to me, you know. Um, so what the that was a revelation to me. And even though I said that to my grandmother at a fairly young age, it still didn't completely register with me that my estrangement from my family was not my fault. It was never my fault. That is one thing that was their choice, not mine. And, um, you know, I realized it was kind of a gift in a way, even though it's very sad and should have never been that way. But it was kind of a gift because it also taught me to be as independent as I am. It taught me to depend on God because for many long years, God was the only one I had. I mean, the only one. And it was a lonely, lonely life. And it still can be at times, not going to lie. Um, but like, you know, for a while, I felt guilty for not being a better aunt to my nephews. But then I realized it's not my fault. My sister pushed me out of their lives. You know, she didn't want me around. Um, and, you know, I used to try to be nice and kind and polite to my family members for the longest time, no matter how they treated me, good or bad. And some of it was good and some of it was bad. Until I would finally blow up because I had this really bad habit of keeping all my emotions inside until I exploded. And uh, one of my sons, one of my children actually pointed that out to me a few years ago. He's like, Ma, you really need to work on that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Thank you for telling me, you know. But... um. I would keep like my hurt feelings inside for months and sometimes even years at a time until I was, fi I would finally explode at someone in my family because I had just had it, you know, and that was my fault because I didn't, I had a really hard time sharing my feelings, um, you know, and I've been trying to grow in that for years as well. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot I've been working on, if you can't tell. And um, so uh, I would eventually just explode in anger. 
verbally or in an email or in a text message or in a letter or whatever it was over the phone, in person, whatever it was. Um, and so my family kind of started hating me. <laughs> and um, once again, I became the scapegoat. Oh, Gwen is the drama queen. Uh, no. The problem was Gwenna kept her emotions in for way too long, didn't tell anyone ever that she had hurt feelings until it was too late and she exploded. That was the real problem. And, um, you know, that was a revelation to me that I finally realized, wow. And so, you know, I will try to communicate my feelings now to people, um, but it's hard, too, because nowadays, if you say something hurt your feelings, people have certain reactions sometimes. Sometimes people, and I'm not talking about my family because we pretty much don't talk anymore, except for my one child. Um, thank God for him, because he's like me. Um, he loves people unconditionally, and I'm the same way, like... I still love my family despite everything. Like the way they treated me was completely unacceptable. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm not angry or bitter anymore. I'm just stating the facts, you know, um, and we all make mistakes. We're all human. I've forgiven everyone just because I state that it's unacceptable doesn't mean that I still need healing from it or that I've not forgiven them. Just because we state the facts doesn't necessarily mean that we're not healed. And I think in the Christian community, sometimes we make some assumptions that if if someone states the truth or discusses facts, oh, well, they must not be healed. It's not about that. It's just sharing your story and sharing our story ultimately gives glory to God um, because God created us for relationship. And that's another thing. My whole family on both sides, they all know I'm a Christian. And I think that's part of why they hate me too, to be honest. Um, some of them anyway. And that puts a lot of pressure on me because a lot of people think Christians are hypocrites, but they don't understand that that's the whole point. Jesus died for us because we're sinners. We don't become Christians and then magically we're perfect people. <laughs> you know, I mean, I try my best, but it's really, it's a lot of pressure on me because I know my family watches me and I feel like I've failed them in my Christian witness, you know, but they don't know me anymore. Again, that comes from the whole blaming myself and the scapegoating. Um, you know, I'm not God. I'm not responsible for their salvation. I can pray for their salvation, but ultimately it's up to them. It's their choice. But I try to be a positive example. It's hard because I'm human too, and I make mistakes too. We, we all do. We all sin because we're human. So it's really hard because as a Christian, I feel like, the world's eyes are on you more and they expect more from you because you claim to be a Christian and the world kind of expects you to be perfect if you're a Christian, but that's not even the point of Christianity. The point of Christianity is Jesus took our sins upon himself so that we can have eternal life. It was a free gift from God to send his only begotten son 
to die in our place so that we can live forever if we accept his eternal gift of life and, and repent of our sins. But it doesn't mean we're suddenly magically perfect. There's nobody perfect except God, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the son, obviously. Nobody's perfect. So we need to, as a society, get rid of this idea, This, as a culture, as a people. We need to get rid of this idea that being a Christian means you have to be perfect. Um, you, you try your best, but we've got to give ourselves grace. And so there should be no room for playing any blame games in Christianity, in my opinion. Um we should accept responsibility for the things we do wrong, the words we say that we shouldn't say, you know, and I always taught my boys, and this is one thing I think I did well. There's a lot I think I could have done better at. Um, I do think I did some things well, but I used to tell my sons, my boys, you know, if you do something wrong on purpose, ask forgiveness. But if it was an accident, apologize because you didn't mean it, right? So that's just, that's my personal opinion right there. It's not scripture or anything. Um, so just this whole blame game thing, you know, I realized a few years ago, like, well, I used to, at the very least, stay in contact with my family and one side of my family, a couple members of my family, they would come and either they would try to see me or invite me whenever it was a birthday of one of my children and or at a holiday like Thanksgiving and or Christmas. So I basically saw them twice a year for the most part, twice a year, if that, which usually it was. The other side of my family moved to Texas and didn't talk to me for years. Nothing, nothing at all. Like I was always the one reaching out to both sides of my family. Unless it was a birthday of one of my children or my birthday, or um, it was a holiday like Thanksgiving or Christmas. But unless I reached out to either side of my family, I literally almost never heard from them. Once in a blue moon, my mother would call me or text me. Um, my father stayed in pretty consistent contact or touch with me. As far as he used to call me all the time and then it changed to he'd text me occasionally, um, which he still does, thankfully. Um, but neither of them was anywhere near as involved with me as they were with my other siblings ever. And so I grew to be independent. It's how I grew up. And my mother, being a single mother, when, you know, when my parents divorced and then she had my sister Tammy was when I was seven years old, my mom worked full time. She was a single mom. So at seven years old, I became the babysitter. I became the surrogate mother for my sister, literally. And that happened and stayed that way till I was 15. So with all of those factors combined, and then when I was an adult, my parents really not paying a whole lot of attention to me. It actually started when I went to college, which I was actually relieved because I wanted the independence by then because I was used to being independent and having all the responsibilities of an adult, except for like the finances. But like I did the cooking, I did the cleaning, I did the babysitting, I raised my sister. Like I was used to being an adult, basically. Um, I was so 
I felt like I was free. I was finally free. And now I could have the benefits and the blessings of independence as well. You know, and it was a very lonely life at first. It, and it can be a lonely life. But it taught me how to be independent. And, um, you know, I've I've been independent out of necessity. Because, to be blunt, my family doesn't really pay any attention to me. Um, you know, and I have honestly had the thought and the feeling and the sentiment, um, for a long time that if God forbid something were to happen to me, say I died or I passed away or something, my fam, my, my family, my extended family, they, they wouldn't know for a while. They wouldn't even know I was gone. That's how little they pay attention to me, you know, and for years I felt so guilty because, oh, I'm not involved in their lives. I never go see my nephews. I wasn't a good sister, blah, blah, blah. I'm done with that because it's not the truth. And you know what? The Bible says, for we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of this dark world. And I'm going to tell you, I now believe and I know that the enemy, Satan, was using my family's lack of showing care for me to make me feel isolated, ostracized, ostracized and excluded. But even if your family doesn't pay attention to you, doesn't contact you, doesn't seem to know or care if you're dead or alive... God still cares about you. God created you for a purpose. And that's what I know. God created me for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. And so, you know, I hope one day God will say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. It doesn't matter what my family thinks. Do I want them to be saved? Absolutely. I love them. I want the best for them. Is it my responsibility to get them saved? Absolutely not. That's God's job, not mine. I'm not their personal Holy Spirit, right? Um, and I think that's part of it too, because when I used to be, you know, I'm not going to say I used to be on fire for God because I'm still on fire for God, just in a different way, like a little bit more mature way, I would hope, <laughs> I think. Um, but I used to kind of preach at them and I know that turned some of them away, but I was excited, you know, and I remember one time I prayed for my brother. I have one brother. I prayed for my brother for two years. He was managing a subway store at the time. And I prayed to God for two years straight. Please, God, send a Christian person to him to talk to him. Send a Christian man to him to talk to him. And I told him that one time, and he was very contrary to it. Uh, my brother and I were very close when I was younger, um, or when we were younger. We were very close. Um, he was one person I would confide in, especially after I moved in with my dad and, and his mother, my stepmother. And, um, you know, we used to talk philosophy and religion and just really deep conversations. And I really miss that. Um, but anyway, um, after two years of praying that God or my brother called me one day and told me, um, that God had answered my prayer for him. I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't even remember 
he, I didn't even know he remembered that I had, I mean, I just had mentioned that briefly in passing once or something. He's like, well, God answered your prayer. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said that a Christian man came to him at Subway, exactly what I had prayed and spoke to him for like hours and basically witnessed to him was what he was saying. And he's like, you know, I just wanted to let you know, I just wanted to tell you, he's like, I haven't changed my mind, but he did come and talk to me and I did listen to what he had to say. And I was so happy for him. And I was so grateful to God for answering that prayer. So, I mean, I love my family. You know, they're still my family. I miss them. But I mean, it's also, I'm also uncomfortable when I'm around them because of the lack of relationship primarily. And also because I, my personality is very different than both sides of my family. My values are very different than both sides of my family. I mean, I've grown up with God and Christian friends. I made Christian friends my family for years. And then God called me out of my comfort zone. And that was, psh, see, four, five, wait, two, four, so six, seven, eight. That was over eight years ago. And um, it's a lonely life, but I do have, I God has blessed me with friends who are like family to me. And I'm very grateful for that. But it's kind of lonely when, you know, almost two years ago now, it'll be two years, July 29th, God moved me to yet a new home and in yet a new town and yet a new city and yet a new, you know, place of work. And um, it, it's just, it's hard to get to know people, especially with the whole COVID thing going on, you know, and. Um, I don't go, the only place I go is to work. That's literally the only place I go. And once in a blue moon, I'll go out to a restaurant, but the only place I go is to work or I'll go visit my son in, in my hometown of Fort Wayne, but I really don't go anywhere else. I really don't because, you know, I'm very high risk and because of my medical issues, um, I'm, I can't, I'm unable to get vaccinated. So I hardly go anywhere. Um, so it's kind of hard to meet people when you can't go anywhere, <laughs> but God has blessed me. And, and I have, thankfully, my son, my one son is my best friend. He is my best friend. And then I have some, um, I have some female best friends and a, and a male friend. And so God's blessed me and, but you know, I'm not going to blame myself any longer. Um, and you know, my parents, have always been close to my siblings and I'm glad for their relationship. One of my sisters one time accused me of being jealous of her. I've never been jealous of her. I'm happy for her. You know, I'm happy. She has the things she has. I, I don't feel that way. Um, was I upset that my parents went to see her and her kids every weekend, almost when she was three hours away but they didn't come see me when I was only one hour away when I asked them to with my children? Absolutely. Who wouldn't be? That's only natural. But that doesn't mean I'm jealous of her. I am actually happy for her. I want that for her. Um, you know, and that's actually one thing that my father taught me is I can separate logic from emotion, you know, and I understand logically, you know, my stepmother, it was her mother. So she pretty much controlled that whole relationship from what I can tell. And um, 
you know, I don't fault my father. I forgave my father a long time ago. You know, he was trying to keep peace with his wife. You know, the Bible says your wife comes first. And I get that. I'm older now and I understand that. So I don't fault him at all for that, even though it wasn't right. But like we all do the best we can as parents. And me as a parent now myself, I totally understand that. Um, and I love my father. I love my mother. My mother has done some pretty horrific things to me. And um, I don't think she realizes it. And it's too late to discuss it with her now because she has Alzheimer's. And she's had it for several years. Um, she's had it for going on 14 years now. And so a lot of times she doesn't realize she has it. But I remember my sister Tammy long before she passed away telling me she had it and that she was getting worse. So when I've tried to bring it up to her, she's denied she has it. So, you know, the, the logic and acceptance part of that, unfortunately, is gone. Um, so I can't, I don't want to bring up bad negative things to her anymore either. So I kind of just avoid her because I mean, I love her and I've forgiven her. Um, but she's done some pretty raunchy things to me, illegal things. <laughs> and, um, you know, I believe that she did her best for the most part. And like I said, I've forgiven her. Um, but <sighs> You know, when I was growing up, you didn't set a boundary and not talk to your abusive parents like kids do today or even parents who weren't abusive. I've met so many parents that have estranged children that they didn't do anything at all wrong. I can't say that. I didn't. I tried my best, but I definitely made mistakes for sure, you know, and um, it's the worst thing. I wish I could take it back, but I can't, you know. I didn't do it on purpose. I thought at the time I was doing the right thing. And I thought I was helping them grow up and be better men and better contributors to society. But, you know, I did a lot of things right, too. So I've got to stop beating myself up about that. Um, so I don't want to play the blame game anymore. You know, we're all human beings. We all have feelings and we all make mistakes. We're all sinners. Um, and I'm thankful for Jesus' gift of free eternal life so that I can go to heaven and worship God someday forever. Because I don't deserve that. Nobody does. We don't deserve it. But God loves us so much. He gives us that grace. And I'm very grateful and thankful for that. Grateful Gwenna, right? I changed it to Warrior Walker because God told me I'm his princess warrior. Jesus is my savior. He's my Lord. He's my best friend. He saved me from death. He saved me from spiritual death. He saved me from physical death so many times. And God is good. And, you know, Jesus is the best family we can have. He doesn't blame us for anything. He loves us unconditionally. He takes us right where we are, right as we are. And he helps mold us and shape us and transforms us, transforms our character, sanctifies us. All we have to do is give him control by surrendering our hearts and our selves and our minds and our goals and our dreams and our plans to him because he created us for a purpose. His dream for us is even better, even bigger than we could ever dream. And I'm still learning that. I'm still figuring that out. 
you know? Um, so no more blame game. You know, it's not my fault that my family doesn't contact me. Did I make mistakes? Yes, but so did they, you know? And I've got to learn to give myself just as much grace as I give them and everybody else. One more final thing. Several years ago, um, I went back to school to convert my Bachelor of Arts degree into a teaching license and certification. And when I was doing my student teaching, one of the best professors I've ever had, Jerry Harshman is his name, and we're still friends to this day. Um, I see him on Facebook all the time. He lives in a different city, but he's such a sweetheart. And he taught me, I'll never forget, one of the most important lessons he taught me, one of the most important lessons I have ever learned in my life. I was, I had made a mistake when I was student teaching and he saw me beating myself up after class and he came up to me and he said, Gwenna, give yourself the same grace you give your students. And it was so wise. And it was like a light bulb went out on my went on in my mind. Oh my gosh, I am so hard on myself. I'm way too, excuse me, way too hard on myself. And, you know, another revelation recently is I'm way too hard on myself. Yes, I didn't contact my extended family enough, but guess what? They didn't contact me either. It goes both ways. The phone goes both ways. You know, and for years I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to be a part of their lives, but I feel like they just invited me for the holidays out of a feeling of obligation. I don't feel like they really wanted me there, you know, and I think a big part of it, and my one sister always gets mad with me when I bring this up, but I don't care. It's the truth. I felt really awkward because I'm the only one on one side of my family who does not drink alcohol. And there's a reason for that. It's not because I judge anyone, but it made me feel very ostracized being the only one not drinking every time we were together, which is probably why they didn't invite me all the time. And I also felt extremely uncomfortable and awkward around it. And here's why, because there are alcoholics in our lineage from my, uh, ancestors on both sides of my family line. Um, the men on in my family line on both sides of my divorced family, as far back as I can remember or know about, have all been alcoholics. Every single one of them. And I don't want any part of that. Like, I'm sorry, but I have that right to choose that I don't want to be around drunk people all the time. You know, I'm not judging anyone. It's just my preference, you know, um, because of what I grew up with. I grew up with a bunch of alcoholics on both sides of the family. I'll just be blunt. And I don't want any part of it. Um, you know, when I went to college, I got drunk on purpose once. And I was with my fraternity big brother. Um, Brian was his name. And I knew I could trust him because he had a girlfriend and he was a real trustworthy guy. And I was right. He proved himself trustworthy. Thank God. Um, and I, I never touched another drink after that, maybe a sip here and there, but like, that was it for me. I got so drunk. I was so sick and I was so ditzy. 
I was laughing about the dumbest things and I thought I will never touch alcohol again. And I also don't touch it because of my medications, but I also don't touch it because I don't know if I have a propensity to become alcoholic and I don't want to take that risk. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I experienced it firsthand. Mm -hmm. I've witnessed it with my own eyes firsthand and I do not want to succumb to that. Um, my sons, my boys, they always used to tease me that I don't need alcohol because I can get pretty silly, especially at night when I'm really tired. So no more blame game. No more accepting blame for absolutely nothing for things that have absolutely nothing to do with me. So no more accepting blame for any things that have absolutely nothing to do with me. No more blaming others for things I'm responsible for or are my fault. And no more allowing people to bully me into accepting blame or being scapegoated for things. That's not okay. And, um, you know, this extends not only in our personal lives, but it can extend into our professional lives as well. And, you know, when I was younger and there was conflict, I would want to confront it immediately and because I knew that communication was important. The problem with that is when it's a heated moment, it's not the best time to talk. As I've gotten older, I'm the opposite. It's not that I, I, I avoid discussing things, but if I know I'm heated or upset or emotion, feeling emotional, or if I know that another person is upset, heated or feeling emotional, I will get up and politely excuse myself and walk away until whoever, one or both of us or the other person, has a chance to calm down. And then I'll go back and try to calmly address it after prayer. I think that's a key is, you know, pray. And it's not always going to go perfectly or go well after we pray, but at least we tried, right? So no more blame game for me. No more blame game. And this is a healthy thing. Um, it's not healthy to blame ourselves for everything and it's not healthy to blame others for everything either. Uh, we need to accept accountability for our own choices of actions and words, accept responsibility for those choices, but we are not to accept responsibility for the actions and words of others, of other people. That's their choice. Just like what we say and do is our choice. And we also have a choice in how we react to other people. Um, you know, I used to get misunderstood all the time, even by those closest to me, because I would say, I'm sorry for how I reacted to you. And they would get mad at me and think that I was trying to blame them for my reaction. I wasn't. I was actually deeply repentant and sincere for my inappropriate reaction. I wasn't saying it's your fault that I reacted. <laughs> because I, I communicate very directly and most people aren't used to that. If I thought it was their fault how I reacted, I would say it's your fault how I reacted. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And it's beeping at me that it's time to go. So... Remember, healthy people don't blame themselves or others. And Jesus loves us and wants us to be healthy. 
Please stay safe. I love you, but more importantly, Jesus loves you more. God bless you. And until next time, thanks for listening.